friends, you've now entered the Man Cave Podcast, unplugged and unfiltered. This is a podcast where the topics are mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other items, like, is Bigfoot real? Who is the best Batman? You're guided through each episode by a man who's the man for his time and place, Dan Casper. So welcome to the Man Cave, and stick around for a while. You're going to like it here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Toyson Ford and Hy-Vee. I'm Dan Casper, your host for every episode of the Man Cave Podcast. It is a Halloween edition of the Man Cave Podcast. So uh, this episode, we're going to talk a little Halloween to to open up things. Uh, Then we got a little DK Show instant replay talking Packers Bills and the Milwaukee Bucks and their 5-0 start so far on the season so got a little bit of a mixture but since it is halloween well maybe it's not halloween depending on when you're listening to this episode of the podcast but while we're recording this episode of the podcast it is halloween so if you don't know who meet very well but if you are a regular listener to the either the pod or the the radio show you you know that i'm a well i like my paranormal stuff okay i like my ghosts bigfoots you know conspiracy stuff whatever uh, it all started back when I was a little kid watching Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack. That's where it kind of kind of started. Now, I've never really had a, I would say, legit paranormal experience. Like, I never had a, like, like I never really see, I don't think I've ever seen a ghost. Now, I, I've thought I've seen some weird things, like... You know, I thought I saw like a green figure as a kid when I woke up in the middle of the night. Uh, I thought I heard a voice say my name one time, but nothing like I have not, you know, seen a, a, a guy or a woman white walking through a wall or a ghost or, or seeing stuff move or anything like that. Now, I'd like to, but I don't want to be by myself either when I'm doing it. And I don't want it to be my home or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want it to be at my place. I don't want to be alone. I do want to see like a ghost. I do want to see some stuff like that. But those are my two caveats. Can't be at home and it can't follow me home. And, you know, I got to be with somebody else. So, but I have like, ever since I can remember, like I said, as a kid, I've been into ghost stuff. I mean, look at my last name, Casper, right? Even though it's spelled a little different. Um, but you know, even like the Bigfoot stuff, I used to be big into like Loch Ness monster, not so much anymore. UFOs used to be really big in died down, but now that's coming out. Like everybody's talking about, um, you know, UFOs and, and all that sort of stuff, even the, the government and such. But, you know, I, if there's like a, a really good paranormal show or ghost show, I'm watching that. Like, like the new unsolved mysteries on Netflix, yeah, I'm a, and, and and I never used to be big into like true crime stuff, but now I'm even getting into that. Like, I remember as a kid, whenever like the true crime episodes, like most wanted or missing ones, were were coming on Unsolved Mysteries. I was like, ah, oh, I don't like those. Those are boring. But now I'm like into that. I don't know why, and maybe it's just because it's like everybody's getting into it now with the podcasts and documentaries on Netflix and and all that sort of stuff. But now I'm getting into that more. But if there's like a ghost or show on, like a really good one. I'm I'm into that. I'm watching it, but I think it's gotten bad lately. You know, no offense to the ghost adventures or 
or anything like that, or even like the Bigfoot shows out there, it's gotten bad. It's gotten to the point now where, or maybe I'm just becoming wiser the the older I'm getting, but it just it it seems like it's becoming more obvious that a lot of those shows are kind of fake. I, I want to call them out. It seems like a lot of them are kind of fake. So, but there are a few episodes that, or a few series or, or shows that are still my favorites. And a lot of these I've like, like I've kept the DVDs of their seasons because I feel like that was when they were actually decent and such. But you know, the three that really stand out to me, I've got like the old Unsolved Mysteries on DVD with Robert Stack. I love those. I've got like a ghost box set. I've got a paranormal box set. Creepy as get out, right? There used to be a show called uh, Haunted. I think they still make ones. I'm not sure. Those are really creepy too. I've got a bunch of those on DVD. And I'm a believer like less is more. Like the uh, reenactments, less is more. Less is creepier. Like I don't need the fancy camera angles or the fancy graphics or anything like that. I feel like the old school Unsolved Mysteries with their reenactments and even like the the Haunted series, if you've ever seen that, those creep me out. I'm kind of getting some goosebumps thinking of some episodes already. Like there's an episode of the... The Unsolved Mysteries, there was one that really freaked me out as a kid, and I just got literally, oh, God, I literally got the goosebumps thinking about it. But it's not on that, uh, it might be on the box that I can't remember anymore, but I just remember it as a kid, and it really freaked me out, and it still kind of does. There was a guy walking through the bar, like he was closing up, and on the on the bar counter there was like a kid, like spinning up, uh, like a, a vase or, you know, one of those big, uh, you know, uh, what do you call pitchers? That's what it is, pitcher. And, like, the kid turns around and looks. He's got, like, this creepy smile or something on there. And then, like, the kid jumps off the bar and, he, and it disappears. But it, all it was was, like, a kid and it was, like, all in white and glowing. It creeped me out as a kid. It still kind of creeps me out. There's an episode called The Devil's Backbone where there's a guy, a, a, a hunter. And I think this is why it kind of creeps me out, too. But there's a guy that's a hunter. He's sitting in a stand. He can hear walking. You know, you're hunting. You're not used to you're, – you're used to hearing walking if you're lucky. Looks down and there's nothing there. But then it's at night and he's walking out and there's more walking. He looks to his side and there's a Native American ghost walking out with him. I still think of that episode when I'm out hunting at night. And, you know, you hear a crack or a twig break or something like that. And it kind of freaks you out. Woods at night. I don't care how much time you spend out there. It's still freaky. Even if you were hunting. It's still freaky. So, and I, and I like the, the new Unsolved Mysteries um, some episodes, you know, some of them are pretty good. They haven't really focused a whole lot on paranormal stuff, though, I feel like. Mostly UFO stuff, but not really a lot of, like, ghosts or Bigfoot. I remember the, the Bigfoot episode on the old school uh, Unsolved Mysteries 2 where the guy's walking down a path and he sees, like, Bigfoot pounding two rocks and then the Bigfoot starts to chase him. Yeah, that one was creepy, too. So, But my favorite paranormal show of all time is the old school Unsolved Mysteries with, with Robert Stack. You can... Uh, Pluto, it's a free streaming service, has a 24-hour dedicated channel to those old-school Unsolved Mysteries. Um, I mentioned uh, another one I remember watching as a kid on a Friday night. So it was before, you know, you can go out and do stuff. I think it was in middle school. It was on the History Channel called Haunted History. So I'm a big history nerd. You all know that. I'm a big history nerd. And this was like a, a haunted history. It was an hour-long episode. Talked about ghost sightings at, at different locations. Usually they focused on cities. There's a White House one. There was a New Orleans one, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I, and I just found this, uh, again, on uh, streaming. 
the other day. So I've been kind of binge watching all those and going down memory break. Not too creepy. It's just more of a historical thing sort of thing. So I love that. They don't overdo it. And I think that's with a lot of these shows. They overdo it or they end up overdoing it. And that's where I think like Ghost Hunters kind of went in. So I loved the first couple seasons of Ghost Hunters, the taps, the original ones. But and it's because they had episodes where they didn't find anything. You know, like, yeah, we didn't get anything here. There was nothing. It was, you know, for people, it was probably boring. But then it ended up turning like every episode they find something, you know, or, you know, it's just it felt like it got away a little bit. And and I get it. You got to sell. You got to get ratings. The way you're going to get people to tune in is you find something. You, you're going to have evidence, right? But I felt like it just it got away from that. So original Ghost Hunters for me because there is some good stuff on the original ones there. So that's how I got into it. You know, when we look at horror movies and that sort of thing, I'm not big into the gory stuff. Like, uh, Halloween, Michael Myers is just a classic. Like, I remember when I was a kid, Friday the 13th, I would go down to the movie store or, you know, and, and rent Friday the 13th movies because that's what you did on Friday the 13th. But I'm not big into the bloody, gory sort of thing. And I feel like a lot of the ghost horror movies, they overdo it. I just want simple stuff. Okay? Just simple stuff. So... This to me are my personally, personally my top five favorite Halloween scary movies. Uh, a couple of uh, honorable mentions though, because they don't freak me out anymore, but they scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. It, the original one, because I remember watching that in my room on my small 13 inch black and white TV, the shower scene, where was it, uh, was it Richie? No, not Richie. You know who I'm talking about. Like, was forced to take a shower after gym class, and then the pipes came out and all that sort of stuff, and it freaked me out. Like, I was like, I don't want to take showers after that. It freaked me out then. And then Blair Witch Movie freaked me out because I thought it was real footage, okay? I thought it was real footage. Went to the movie theater to see it. Scared the crap out of me. Found out it wasn't real. So it's still kind of, there's some creepy parts in there too. Kind of like paranormal activity. There's like, ooh, you know, parts that make you jump or or a little creepy like that. But if those were like real footage stuff, then yes, that's, that is scary. You know what? So honorable mentions there. Um, I will probably go five to one. So five Insidious. It's a newer, uh, newer franchise, if you will. Creepy, creepy parts in there. Four Jaws. I know people don't really give Jaws a, a lot of credit for a Halloween movie. It seems like, but and 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 really, it's like it's just it. Jaws is what creeps me out about like big bodies of water or the oceans, like something that big. Even whales, okay, kind of creep me out. Something bat that big under the water and all of a sudden just pop out of anywhere. And I just yeah, Jaws is uh, number four for me. Halloween just because it's a classic. Michael Myers, the theme song everything on there i kind of i'm going to put halloween and exorcist right there because you need a classic theme song and ah no i'm gonna stick with halloween i'd probably put the exorcist as a as another honorable mention but michael myers halloween yeah number two the conjuring uh again i'm a i i love movies if they're based off of true stories like i i you know i should you know maybe pre go back at that i enjoy movies horror movies scary movies that are based off of true stories like the ghost ones. That's what The Conjuring is. So I'm going with that. And my number one is also based on a true story. But it doesn't get a lot of talk about. But it's very creepy. I still get chills watching certain parts of it. 
Exorcism of Emily Rose. If you have not seen it, go check it out. I think it's it's a creepy movie. It's based off of a true story. Go check it out. Exorcism of Emily Rose is the one that still kind of creeps me out to this day watching it. There's a particular scene. I don't want to give it away, but there's a particular scene with the pastor when he runs out of the church and it's raining and he looks up and there's like a black figure that kind of nods him and and this pastor's talking about like it was the devil kind of acknowledging that the game is on and i'm like oh see i'm getting goosebumps thinking about that right now too so those are mine those are mine so you know we can do a little halloween candy thing but i'm gonna be honest with you guys i'm allergic to peanut butter i'm allergic to nuts so i my my power rankings suck okay because I can't have the Reese's, I can't have the Snickers, I can't have any of that stuff. So I know my power rankings suck. But I will say, Sixlets, Sicklets, is that how you say it? Sicklets, those things get a bad rap. Amazing. I love those things as a kid. Open the one end, push them all the way through. Love them. Love them, love them, love them. They're a softer version of an M&M, okay? Don't diss them. Carmelo bars were my favorite as a kid too. But I used to call them Carmelo for whatever reason. All right, there you go. A little Halloween there stuff. So back to like actual sports now, right? So we're going to do a little DK show instant replay uh, for the rest of this Man Cave podcast, talking Packers Bills. Then we talk a little uh, Milwaukee Bucks too. And then tomorrow's episode of the Man Cave podcast, we're going to do some uh, grading since we're already halfway through-ish of the NFL season, if you think about it. So we'll kind of do some grades and – and uh, all that fun stuff. So quick break, then we got a little DK show instant replay. At Toys and Ford, they're proud to serve the drivers of Chippewa Falls with some of the most popular vehicles around Wisconsin and the country. They're committed to giving drivers from across the Eau Claire, Bloomer, and Elk Mound region the best in customer service with a top-notch selection of brand new vehicles to choose from, as well as an extensive inventory of pre-owned crossover SUV and trucks. Plus, with their expert finance, service, and parts center in-house, they strive to be your one-stop dealer dealership for all of your automotive needs check them out today at toysandford.net talking packers bills packers falling to the to the buffalo bills um maybe the majority of us packers fans that sort of thing kind of already had this one chalked up as a as a loss maybe even before the season started so maybe the disappointment level isn't uh as much but you know, let's let's still break it down here, and we still got some uh, we got some uh, stuff to point out here on the on the negative side of things. But if there was anything that was that was positive, Mike McCarthy, positive. But if there was anything positive you could take away for, from this game, and, and I'm not trying to say you know moral victories or anything like that. But if there was something that that from this game, you're like, all right, you know what? Good job, guys. Little, little credit there. I think the big thing that jumps out is is the running game. I mean, Aaron Jones was just, uh, I mean, he was a man running with a purpose last night. We went through those numbers already. But in case you, you, you missed it and you don't know what they were, dude had 20 carries for 143 yards, 7.2 average. That's pretty darn good against uh, Buffalo's defensive front, defensive line up there. I mean, we were... They were having their way with the offensive line in terms of pass protection and such. You had Ed Oliver up there, you know, those guys. So Aaron Jones, 20 carries 
for 143 yards with an average of 7.2. I mean, that's 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 uh, that's uh, that's stud worth. Aaron Jones right now is fifth in the league in rushing at 575 yards. Seventh in the league in terms of average at 5.9, but I'm sure if we kind of looked it up and looked at other ones, I'd, I'd like to know the minimum rushing attempts on that one, if you know what I mean, if you know what I'm getting at. So I think that's that, that to me is a positive looking at this. I mean, we have have how many weeks give the ball to Jones give the ball to Jones and then we got that 20 carries I think if you look at Romeo Dobbs 4 catches for 62 yards with that touchdown couple of great catches we know the touchdown one, the one on the sideline later in the game too that's a positive the other rookie Samari with the with the catch, and I think not only with just because he had a touchdown catch, but the adjustment that he made on that catch, the broken down play, like Collinsworth was pointing out last night, but adjusting, changing up his route to get open, Rogers dancing around a little bit, scrambling there a little bit, Rogers finding him down the middle, so. Not necessarily just the, the the touchdown, but the adjustment he made on that touchdown. That to me was positive. And we saw even I, I haven't seen the snap counts yet. I'm sure they're going to be coming out uh, a little bit later on this morning. But it seemed like too, Josiah DeGuara was in quite a bit, and mostly like for for blocking and protection and that sort of thing. So it seemed like Green Bay was, and and it could have been just based purely on the fact that. Well, look at the the receivers they had active. So they went a little bit bigger. You know, a little bit more tight end action there. But I know kind of looking at Packers Twitter throughout the week was like, hey, let's let's get eighty one maybe more involved in the game. Let's we haven't really seen that that H back fullback type role that we thought we were gonna see with Josiah DeGuara, you know. You're thinking of the, the Shanahan offense, you're thinking about and and, and like San Francisco, how they utilize their, their fullbacks and such. Haven't really seen a whole lot of that. But we saw 81 lined up quite a bit last night. And, and you know, maybe just for, for blocking protections. and But also could be the fact that, you know, they were really shorthanded on the wide receiver depth chart. So they went a little bit bigger. Defensively, some of the positives, I think, you know, you look at it. Bills, you, you held them to just three points in the second half. We're able to get a couple of picks there. Now, kind of those interceptions kind of, you know, kept Green Bay in the game there. But after the Sewell Douglas won, first play, then it's tip ball and interception there. So you weren't able to do anything. Then Jair's pick down at the five, stopping Buffalo from putting up more points, whether it was going to be a field goal or a, or a touchdown. So it kind of gave Green Bay a little bit of chance. It wasn't, it wasn't you know, Closed case there. If they make that field goal, then you're an onside kick away from potentially getting touched. And yeah, ifs, what's, could, blah, blah, blah. I understand that. But, yeah, getting a couple of picks there. So those to me were were, were kind of some of the the, the positives that you hope to, to kind of build on, right? All right, Romeo Dobbs. We know rookie wide receivers are going to have their ups and downs. 
That's just something we're going to have to live with in this season. Ups and downs. Feel bad for Christian Watson. Gets back in. Got a speed guy. Maybe he can do some different things and create some misdirections with the jet sweeps. Can have a little bit of deep ball, and then he gets a concussion on the catch that he makes. I mean, the guy just cannot catch a break health-wise. But maybe this is... Hey. Maybe we're going to get Samari Torrey involved a little bit more. Remember, Aaron was talking about him in minicamp. And if he's going to make adjustments like that, like on that play, that's something that Aaron's been talking about. Maybe we see the, the kid from Nebraska a little bit more here. Because Sammy Watkins, I mean, he's targeted once last night. One catch for three yards, for crying out loud. That's it. I mean, he isn't really providing anything at this point. Nothing. Zip. And, you know, credit to, to Green Bay, too, maybe for just sticking with that run game. Just, just pounding it, sticking with it. But, you know, and then I came away feeling like this was a, a solid, good offensive plan. It's just couple I mean the defense was just a couple drives that just they were a couple drives away from it, from it being like a, a, a solid offensive game but you know what I mean like like if Green Bay's defense would have been able to make a couple stops there second quarter Buffalo put up 17 points right I mean it was after that first drive I think Buffalo scored on five consecutive drives or or something like that four or five consecutive drives just a couple of drives from from if that Packers defense could have just made some stops then maybe this game is something. Maybe. Just maybe. But it was that first half, Buffalo's offense. I mean, it looked like they were just cruising. They were cruising. And a couple of things stood out to me in, in terms of like the thumbs down, if you will. Love Rashawn Gary. I love Rashawn Gary. I think he is a talented pass rusher. I mean, you look at the pass rushing percentages. You look at all that. He, I mean, he's up there. But the guy has got to set an edge and stop with the consistent over-pursuing, especially when you're going up against a quarterback who's not afraid to run the football. I mean, there was a few times last night, I think you all can kind of you know go in your memory bank there, where Rashawn Gary's just going straight up, up the field. And, and Josh Allen is willing, it, he's just able to, all right, make a couple steps. He can step it up and he can either run or he can continue to look down the field. I mean, it was just like, you cannot continue to to give quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks who can beat you with their legs, that free opportunity to step up and there's wide green pastures on the edge. And then you factor it in, too, when you have a safety in Darnell Savage who, to put it lightly, struggles with tackling. I mean, that was... If if he watched that, or if they're going to rewatch that, they're ooh e ah yeah Darnell. I I don't know what you could say that uh, about that tackling performance, other than you know subpar, easily subpar. 
it was it was not good. I mean, when you have a defense who's just kind of struggling or looks like they're unwilling to make some big tackles out there, especially with one of them being your safety, who there there was not some good highlights from from Darnell Savage last night. No. Uh, and then you kind of, I mean, obviously with the inside linebackers, your two starters going down, Devondre Campbell leaving with a knee injury, Quay Walker getting ejected. So then you're down to, you know, uh, McDuffie, who I like McDuffie, but, you know, it's you're thrusting him into that role right away. Isaiah McDuffie, second-year kid from, from Boston College, and Eric Wilson, who you kind of brought on mostly for special teams play, had plenty of experience, though, with, with Minnesota. Remember, Chris Barnes is still out with with an injury, so yeah, a little inexperience on that end. But and then you kind of look at—I know Matt Schneidman, who covers the Packers for the for the Athletic, posted this up uh, earlier this uh, this morning. Let me see if I can bring it up here. Last night wasn't the first time this season an opposing wide receiver one has sautéed other Packers defensive backs. While the corner they're paying more per year than any corner in NFL history has locked down someone far less dangerous. Coaching malpractice from Joe Barry again. And he's referring to the next-gen stats from Jair Alexander last night. Jair Alexander was aligned across Gabe Davis on 14 of 23 routes. Alexander had a pick and did not allow a reception on four targets to Davis as the nearest defender. So again, people are questioning why wasn't Jair Alexander shadowing maybe Stephon Diggs after we saw him go up against Terry McLaurin and McLaurin had a had a day. Jets, you know, Garrett Wilson, but then Diggs kind of back to maybe the the weeks prior when you look at Diggs' numbers six catches on eight targets for 108 yards longest being that 53 yarder and a touchdown the next highest you have to look at James Cook who had that one catch for 41 yards and then it was Gabe Davis for two catches for 35 now I don't know if the pre-game trash talking had anything to do with it we're like all right we're we're going to keep Jair off that so they don't have any like bickering and trash talk so it gets out of hand. I don't know if that played into it, but if it did play into it, I'm not buying that. I mean, come on. Come on. You, you got you gotta, to can't do that, right? You can't do that. But it's bringing questions again. What was the deal? Um, so, I mean, maybe we'll kind of get Matt LaFleur's thoughts on that later on today when he talks to the media. I think Joe Barry's later on in the week and such, but yeah. So what are some of your positives? What are some of your negatives? That sort of thing from, uh, from this game. Offensive line again had to be reshuffled with Noelton Jenkins suffered a foot injury in practice. So, Zach Tom, after getting the start at left tackle last week, the rookie from Wake Forest, gets the start at left guard. David Bakhtiari, 
plays the game. David Bakhtiari, I thought, did a did a solid job too. When Von Miller was lined up over over on David Bakhtiari, I thought that was I thought David did a, a tremendous job. You didn't really hear a whole lot about Von Miller until he was lined up on the right side. And really, you heard about him. It was at uh, that fourth and one play where he just like it seemed like he pushed the Packers offensive lineman into. It's like just go down the line, and then you know it was like a domino effect, and then they you know kind of contributed to stopping Aaron Jones short on that fourth. But you know David Bakhtiari, I thought had a solid game last night, especially when he was lined up against Von Miller. But that offensive line has just been, you know, plug and play guys left and right. They've they've had no continuity over there. Just just nothing. Just got to get those guys healthy so they can get on the field all together. I think we're still waiting to see. Okay, Bach, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Yash. We haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen it yet. Will we see it against Detroit? Who the heck knows at this point? But Buffalo's front was, was kind of having their way in terms of the pass, uh, pass rush against Green Bay. Now, Aaron only did get... Uh, two sacks was sacked twice last night. It's good to see Aaron kind of showing some of the wheels too, running the ball and picking up some first or picking up some big yardages. I like seeing that a little bit. Keeping him honest. So I don't, you know, again, I'm not into moral victories. I just I, I'm not into that. But there definitely was some things last night where it's like, okay. Kind of, there was some stuff we, we liked. I think, you know, in the offensive game plan, we we saw them commit to the running game. I mean, Green Bay technically ran the ball for 31 times when you're talking about Aaron, if you include Aaron's one scamper on there. Pass the ball for 30. They stuck with it. It was just maybe a couple of defensive possessions. If they would have came up with a couple stops, this game might be different. Now, that's assuming everything on Green Bay's offense would have kind of stayed the same or or that sort of thing. That's that's a big assumption there. But questions now, I mean, tomorrow's the trade deadline, you guys. Should Green Bay make a move? They're three and five. All the insiders, every network out there is saying Green Bay's calling on wide receivers. That they're making phone calls, that they're inquiring. How many times have we heard that though? Too. You're at three and five. The last playoff spot, if you want to take a look at that, about halfway through the uh, halfway through the season, San Francisco is at four and four. And that's a what? I mean, you look at the NFC West; it could go back and forth. There, you still got Seattle leading that division. The Rams are three and four. San Francisco four and four. You look at the NFC East. Okay, the Giants got a loss. Do you trust them to finish out this season strong that they can pick up a wild card spot? Dallas. So they're not out of it. They're about a game and a half ish, if you want to count in tiebreakers and that, from, you know, getting back into this thing. It's a tough schedule coming up, though. Would you like to see the Green Bay Packers make a move by the deadline to acquire a wide receiver that maybe can give you a little bit of a a deep threat there? You know, Aaron Rodgers said last night that, you know, 
to win games, they're going to have to be able to throw down the field a little bit more. And I don't think, and some people are like, oh, don't get away from the run game. I don't think he was saying get away from the run game and, and you know get back to you know chucking the ball down the field all the time. It's just to have that option to you know have defenses maybe respect a little bit from that that, that they got a guy that you can go down the field with on a consistent basis. Have that option. Because right now, I mean, yeah, Romeo Dobbs made a couple great catches. Samari with that great route adjustment. But maybe just that consistent presence down there. So, you know, there were some people on, on like, the social media is, like, freaking out. It's like, Aaron wants to start throwing the ball again. And try. I don't think that's what he was referring to. He was referring to just the ability or just to have that option that they've got a guy that, you know what? Because, like, last night when they're down, you know, Maybe the Packers of the past, they could like chuck it and try to make get back in that ball game really quick. Can't with the with this current team. Just can't. So what's the trade they'd like tomorrow? Do you want to see this team make a move? Or are you of the fact like, you know what? I just don't see them making a push. I don't see them getting into the dance. Save that draft capital and just play out the year and continue to give rookies some more reps. The Dobbs, the Samaris, the Watsons when he's healthy. What do you think? Should they do it or not? Should Goody essentially push more chips in? More chips into the middle. That's a tough one. And I think the, the tough part of it too is like, I don't know, I kind of feel like, okay, if we knew like A-Rodge was going to be coming back next year, maybe you can acquire a guy like a Brandon Cooks who's under contract for another year for, for some big money. But, I don't know. Broncos went in yesterday in London. Does that kind of change their mindset about whether they're going to be sellers, like a Jerry Judy or such? Heck, DJ Moore just had a huge touch. I mean, DJ Moore, anybody didn't see that with that... Uh, Touchdown pass at the at the end of the game yesterday. Now Atlanta still won it in overtime, but it's like Packers fans are like, oh, DJ Moore, that's a lot of money. I can't. I don't think Carolina's moving on from him by any means. But if we want to be greedy, I would. I'd, I'd like that one. Just saying. But but do you want to see Green Bay make that move, or do they made? Or do they? You know, we've been focusing on wide receivers so much. Do they need to make a move somewhere else? Do they need to? Get better help up front on the defensive line to stop the run on a consistent basis. Because it almost felt like last night. It's like you know, if if Buffalo just wants to run the football, they were they were having some success with it. Singletary had 14 carries for 67 yards with a 4.8 average. That's pretty darn solid. James Cook five carries, 35 yards, seven per carry. Count Josh Allen's in there, six carries, 49 yards, 8.2. You know, we've been focusing so much on wide receiver. Would maybe maybe another one is? Do you want them to add another defensive lineman up there? Because maybe the defensive line hasn't been playing up to the expectations or the thoughts that you had heading into this year. I'll admit it. The defensive line isn't really playing up to the expectations. I thought. I kind of thought that would have been one of the strongest groups with with depth wise, but whew, outside Kenny Clark, it's been. 
pretty darn inconsistent up there. Maybe that's another position of, of need. Your tailgating headquarters is at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Their top-of-the-line meat department, which includes the Dan Good Burger, will make you the talk of your tailgate party. And the dips for snacking, those are what will make you an MVP on game days. And you never have to worry about Hy-Vee not having what you need because their shelves and coolers are always stocked up with your favorite goods. Be the MVP of your tailgate party with the help from another MVP. That's High V in Eau Claire, located at 2424 East Claremont Avenue. Bucks remain the lone undefeated team in the NBA, and I know it's only five games into it, but with no Middleton, with no Pat Connington, with no Joe Inglis and such, Giannis is doing his thing. Drew Holiday had a terrific game the other night, too. Bucks are rolling right now, man. The pay, the 82 and 0 is still on the table. They can do it. They can do Run it. Run the man. table. Run it all, baby. Best record in the league. But no, I don't think anybody I don't feel like we, you know, anybody really expected this either. I think we, you know, expected them to be a good team. But for them to come out the way they have to start the season without Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. And that to me that's the biggest one. It's it's been very impressive to see. And you know, they eked out a you know, you can out wins, but they're scoring a lot of points too. You started the season, you know, you play the Sixers. You knew that was going to be a tough game. Mm-hmm. You get the two point victory, but since then they've scored like around 115 points per game. So that's what you like to see too. It's not just that they can grind it out, but they can score. So yeah, it's been uh, been fun to watch, and then uh, you know, let's see if they can do it tonight. They take on the Pistons. Yeah, and no, a back to back, back to back at home. I know they got the the night off tomorrow, but Pistons again. On uh, on Wednesday though too, but you know, and 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 I know Giannis is logging a lot of minutes. You know, in the early parts of of the season, that I think was another question a lot of us had because we knew he was playing overseas and and such for his national team. But the the start that he is on there, dude. I mean, you know, I I know we kind of half jokingly said what what else can Giannis do to add to his legacy? You know, at the beginning of the season and. I don't know. He just looks even more dominant at this point, Justice. He's just unreal right now. Oh, he is. He is. I think he's just showing why he is the best player on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and just, just showing uh, all the skills. He's been hitting the three-pointers, driving, rebounding. I mean, just putting up ungodly numbers. And just a great – he's not a selfish player either. You know, he's a guy who can distribute the ball and, and just do what he needs to do to help his team. So – yeah, I've enjoyed watching what Giannis is doing, and he does it with a smile on his face. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. he's I, again. I think Bucks fans and just Wisconsin sports fans, you got to soak this in. This is a once in generational talent that you have, and, and you you need to just sit there and um, just be like, wow, how lucky are we to be able to watch this guy play in a Bucks uniform and and do what he does every night on the court? I think you hit it on the head. Just soaking in and embrace what we're kind of seeing, right? Even if you're not maybe the biggest. NBA fan or maybe the biggest basketball fan. What we're seeing with this team and with with Giannis, like you said, is is once in a lifetime, once in a generation. I mean, it's not that often. It's not like you know Green Bay here for the longest run with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers at, at quarterback. We're talking the NBA and the Milwaukee Bucks, where guys are leaving different teams left and right every year, every couple years. Embrace it, enjoy it, live in the moment because it might not be there for very long. And that's yeah. exactly what I'm doing with Giannis. Holy moly! And I think you know, look back, looking back at the Bucks, I think this is really one of the longest tenures of a star with the Bucks. You know, 
Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, his time in Milwaukee was actually pretty short. And people don't, you know, before he moved on to the Lakers. And then after that, maybe like a Sidney Moncrief. Mm-hmm. 90s, you have Big Dog was there for a while. Ray Allen was there for a while. But, I mean, Giannis is there is going to be a buck for a good part of the future as well. And it's going to be a long chunk of his career, hopefully his whole career, but you just never know towards the end what ends up happening. But, yeah, just appreciate what you're seeing right now. Yeah, I mean, it's he's on a fantastic start. And I know I kind of said, like, I'd be – I just think the NBA, when it comes to like MVPs and all that, it kind of gets a little fluky. It's like, all right, that guy won a couple in a row. We're not going to give him another one or anything like that. But the way Giannis has started this season, if this is something that he can do throughout the the whole season, and this Bucks team continues, you know, to to do what they're doing right now, it's going to be hard to to deny him another MVP for that trophy shelf. Right, and you know the fun things. I think he deserves a chance for the MVP, but I'm okay almost with Giannis as great as he is, still flying under the radar. Because mm-hmm. that you mean that means you you know what you're seeing as as a fan. And if the if the pundits want to focus more on Westbrook not getting playing time, right, <laughs> for the Lakers or you know, something else like that, whatever Kyrie's stupid thing he's doing over there in Brooklyn, that's what they're going to focus on. But just enjoy the joy. Enjoy the joy. <laughs> Enjoy what you're seeing with Giannis. Don't worry about all that other stuff. Don't worry about it. The pundits aren't giving him enough. You know he's great. The NBA players know he's great, and and he is just great. So enjoy that. Has one player, you know, Giannis is getting a lot of the attention, and rightfully so. But I feel like Brook Lopez has been a nice little spark to to be, in, especially on the defensive end for for Brook Lopez in the oh, first yeah. five games. And you looked really good in the old retro purple uniforms. Right. Did you too. like that too? Yeah. yeah. For some reason, he just fit right into it. Probably because he was playing when they were still wearing those. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, he has. And I think you don't realize how much they missed him last year at the beginning of the season when he was battling all the back injuries. And I don't think he was ever 100% last year. But he looks to be back to where he was two years ago, three years ago as well. You know, Yeah, defensively, the number of blocks that that team is putting out there per game. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different guys. Like, especially, how do you drive in there knowing that you either have Giannis or Brooke Lopez having a chance to just swat at Brooke because of his pure size? And Giannis and his size and athleticism can block you from like 10 feet away, it feels like, sometimes. So, yeah, I, I think that really has helped. I think, you know, getting Chris Middleton's only going to make that team better. Obviously, it's not going to make it worse. It's Chris Middleton. And I think that'll put a little less of the shooting pressure on Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday, I think, is a different player when Chris Middleton's there. He seems to be more in his element when he's not forced to shoot as much. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll help when Chris Middleton gets there, because that's what Middleton likes to do. Or then Drew can kind of pick his spots and be that third, just, you know, how do you stop all three of these guys? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think as a team, they're playing great. And we're seeing that, you know, maybe a little, you know, cohesiveness with an NBA team actually does pay dividends. And that's what the Bucks are doing right now. Yeah, uh, you're looking at uh, Brooke Lopez. He's averaging 3.6 blocks per game. He's had multiple blocks in every single game so far. Obviously, the Brooklyn one was highlighted with five. You know, Houston, he had five. And, you know, but every single game he's at, had at least two or more blocks so far in in each game, and you know, Brooke Lopez, I feel like sometimes, and I'm guilty of this though too, is maybe take him for granted a little bit. You know, I remember last year when he was out, it's like, oh, do you you know, you trade him? Do you 
Do you put him on the bench, keep Portis in this offseason? It's like, okay, do you trade him and, and maybe give the, you know, go to a Portis, a little bit smaller of a lineup? But he just is fairly consistent. I know he's kind of like an up and down player for a lot of fans. Like some people get frustrated with him and, you know, especially like with uh, with the defensive philosophy the last couple of years, like he wouldn't come out. But the Bucks always like focused on interior defense there. But when you look at it, is he a guy that we just take for granted sometimes, you think? I think so because he's just you know uh, it's easy to just dr- block him off and just say oh he's just a big guy mm-hmm. he's just a big man and he can just throw another big man out there but it's it's really not that way because of the amount that he can also give you on the outside I mean y- you know you, a lot of people don't like seeing those like a guy like Brook Lopez shoot three pointers but he can do it and he can make them and he's a threat that way so it, you know it opens opens up your offense a little bit as well and then this defensively. Yeah, I mean, he's all world when it comes to interior blocking and stuff like that. So, yeah, I I think it's just yeah somebody you really do take for granted, but we're kind of seeing it this beginning of the season of what he can really do. And for a guy who's now, you know, is going to be 35 this season, still putting up 13 points a game mm-hmm. when he's out there. And that's what he's done the last six seasons. That that shows you that, he, you know, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a major part of this Bucks team the whole season. Yeah, this year averaging 13.6 points per game. Uh, shooting 35% from, from the three, 43% overall from the field, but those 3.6 block. He's never been a big rebounding guy, too. Even for a big man, he's he's never been a big double-digit rebounder. And, well, you got Giannis kind of taking care of that side with this Bucks team. He's all over the place. So Yeah, I think that's Lopez, as big as he is, he's not the fleetest of foot. Let's right. put it that way. <laughs> so, you know, fighting for those rebounds sometimes inside is not the easiest when you have a guy like Giannis who's that tall and can move that crazy fast, right. whoever he needs to be. So, But, yeah, I'll take the blocks, I'll take the offense, and I'll take him just being able to spread that defense out by being able to shoot that outside shot and shooting at a clip around his career percentage. So it's not like he's having a decline. You know, he's shooting around 35%, and that's what he's been doing since he started shooting three-pointers. About seven, eight years ago, you know, even I, I'm, I was looking at like some of the minutes, you know, averaged uh, for, for looking at for Giannis, and and really Giannis is only averaging thirty four point six minutes per game. He's actually averaging the same amount as Drew Holiday, which is if you want to compare it in the league, thirty fifth, thirty fifth most minutes averaged. Donovan Mitchell's got the most with Kyrie Irving. Surprisingly, both are at thirty nine minutes per game. So, you know, I mean, what forty eight minutes in a total basketball game. 5-0, and oh, not putting a whole lot of pressure on those two guys while they wait for Middleton to kind of join that threesome. And that offensive efficiency, you know, you were, you, you hit it there. I, 34.4 points a game he's averaging in 34.6 minutes. So a point a minute when he's out there on the court, that just shows you how dominant he is and how much you have to account for Giannis every time he's out there. Yep. So he's never had a, you know, this is the, it, granted, we're five games in, so there's a lot of season to go. But I mean, he could average as many points as he does minutes a game. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be pretty amazing. And that means when you do need to play him the whole forty-eight, you're getting over forty points more than likely. Mm-hmm. Just if he keeps if he's playing a good game, and we've seen it already this year when he's out there for pretty much the whole time, he's going to put up forty points and double-digit rebounds and get a couple of blocks. So, yeah, where do you not account for Giannis? Because he's going to be there every facet of the game. Yep. No doubt. Uh, speaking of efficiency, Giannis is leading the league. No surprise for yeah. him right now. Too. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. 
Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. And a reminder, never miss an episode of the Man Cave Podcast by subscribing to the Man Cave Podcast. We're already on your favorite podcasting platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. And don't forget to give us a solid rating too. That way other people can find the Man Cave Podcast. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and we'll see you in the Man Cave.